Well, good morning, Brandon. Good morning, Keith. Uh, it's not like we planned this or anything. <laughs> I don't know. Our our cold opens are terrible. Usually a train wreck. That they one are a was train smooth. Wreck. That was kind of until smooth. we started commenting on our cold opens. Yeah, I know. I can't. I can't get away from it. It's just. It's like this. This habit. You know, <laughs> podcasts are weird. Any of this stuff, I'm much more comfortable like just walking up in front of a group of people and speaking rather than planning ahead. Oh, yeah. Here's the things that I want to say. Yeah. But sometimes when I just say the things I want to say, I'm afraid I might say <laughs> the wrong thing. We just sit back and eat popcorn. And right. That's it. good. It's great. Well, my name's Keith. I'm one of the pastors at Stonebridge Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, on the southwest side. I'm joined by Brandon Levering, who is a pastor here at Stonebridge as well, and uh, we are we've been off for a couple weeks, just uh, dealing with um, you know life. the the flow <laughs> the flow of life and ministry. But uh, we are still at our church. We are going through uh, John, the Book of John, and we're looking at the power of Jesus right now in, the, in this section. So we uh, we are experiencing as uh, Jesus faces increasing uh, hostility by his own people. Mm-hmm. Um, then he also is kind of leaning into some of their rhetoric and, and actually amping up the challenges that he's presenting to them. He's making it much more clear what exactly he is aiming for, um, even though they the the audience then still can't see it like we can right yeah. like anytime we come to this we're always coming to scripture with an understanding especially with John of the prologue yeah. so mm-hmm. as we encounter all these uh, instances in which he's interacting with these hostile people or these yeah. people who are misunderstanding him we understand yeah yeah he, John is building his case to demonstrate the truth of what he introduced at the very beginning right but as that case builds, so the opposition of the Jewish leaders rises with it. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, by the time we get to the end of chapter 12, which is fascinating in comparison to the to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, we end up into the past, like half, if not over half, of John's gospel is on the last few days of Jesus. Right. Whereas, you know, you, you're trucking along for, you know, Two-thirds of the book in the other Gospels till you reach that point, typically. Right. And so um, that opposition rises fast, and, mm-hmm. and it's about to hit its crescendo here in just another couple of chapters right, where right. the plan is afoot, yeah. the Passion Week has is, is arrived. So, yeah. Yeah. And so the, the next couple of weeks, uh, this week and the next week, um, we're in John chapter 10, and uh, this... This week, we're going to talk about something something that's happening um, in the midst of John chapter 10 are two really important points about um, the, the eternal nature of what Christ is doing, right? Yep. So yep. next week, we'll talk a little bit more about eternal security as we're in kind of the, the second part of John mm-hmm. chapter 10, and, um, you know, no one can snatch them mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. my hand, you know? So we're going to talk about eternal security next week, but but this week, I thought it'd be good for us to start with the, the concept of the gospel itself as, as being eternal, mm. right? Um, there's something, we'll, I'll just read the verses here to springboard off of it. Now, there's a, a lot in... Uh, the first half of of John chapter ten, that is, I mean, it's all important, but uh, we we tend to focus mostly on um, Jesus. You know, I am the good shepherd. Another one of the I am statements, and uh, you know, uh, I am the door of the sheep. If you're mm-hmm. getting in, you got to enter by me. So mm-hmm. there's a the 
exclusivity yeah. of Christ, which is which is his extremely authority. important. Right, yeah. his authority mm-hmm. is exclu- ex- exclusivity, um, and uh, and also that he's going to accomplish bringing his. There's a there's a surety of yeah. him bringing in all those who are who are his. Yes. So he's yeah. he is going to accomplish these things. But one of the things he says in verse 17 and 18, which is what I wanted kind of to, to focus on a little bit today in our conversation, is this. Uh, for this reason, Jesus says, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Mm-hmm. So in... That those two verses are pregnant with so many, <laughs> so many things that are worth looking into. One is like that concept of well, the father's love is eternally tied to the son's obedience, yeah. which which is a little mind mind blowing because it gets it gets trinitarian there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But overall, kind of this eternal reality of Jesus' authority was never in danger. So as yes. as we read through the book of John or any of the gospels. I think the way that we tend to react is almost influenced to a degree by movies about Jesus. Like, I think about mm-hmm. The Passion of the Christ, mm-hmm. okay? So, um, what, is it early 2000s? Yeah. Does that center around, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. When that movie came out, there were a lot of, I, I want to say this the kindest way possible, there were a lot of conversions with mm-hmm. quotation marks. Because when you're watching that movie, it's it's so tragic. Like as you watch that unfold, mm-hmm. and what a lot of people would say would be like, "Well, I love that movie because it depicts you know Jesus and you know and his suffering." And and I get that. Mm-hmm. But when you see that part of it, it almost leans into uh, weighing on the emotions of what a tragic ending for mm-hmm. this for this heroic character. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's not what Jesus himself presents. Like the yeah. gospel is not a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It is from beginning to end eternally a victory. Mm-hmm. It's not yes. It's not anything that happened to Jesus. Like Jesus happened to it. Yes. Right? Yes. So how do we how do we begin to uh it's the resolution of the greatest tragedy of sin separating us. Correct. And you know, and he enters into that tragedy in order to fulfill the eternal plan for victory. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, but the the gospel is planned with intention. Yes. Right. Yes. So absolutely. The Jesus is referred to in Scripture as the, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Yeah. So again, putting on our you know systematic theology hats and and thinking through the hard stuff. The gospel didn't just come up at some point. God was like, oh, man, this has all gone terribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, we it, it's easy to kind of think that sending Jesus was like the plan B to clean up. Like, plan right. A was the garden. Right. That didn't, that didn't work. Okay, I guess we'll come up with a solution. Jesus, you're up. Get in there. You know? <laughs> He's the backup QB. He's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, which is just not at all. Like, you look at, like, you, you reference that verse from Revelation. Mm-hmm. I think it's 13. I can mm-hmm. never remember for sure. Colossians 1 talks about how Christ is the, is the image of the invisible God, the right. firstborn of all cre- creation. Like, he, he is there in the beginning at creation, at work, and he is the firstborn among uh, humanity as far as uh, being raised from the dead. Like, this was all part of God's eternal plan. Mm-hmm. 
And the language he uses in John 10, when he knew the verses you read, it's fascinating. Like, it yeah. is some of the most direct language about Christ's authority over both his death and his resurrection. Like, even throughout the rest of the New Testament, most of the time it's the Father who raises Jesus or mm-hmm. the Spirit who raises Jesus. But even Jesus himself has authority to take up his own life again. Yeah. And, um, and that, that line, nobody takes it from me. Right. Like if you were standing outside of Jerusalem that day and tried to convince the crowds that nobody's <laughs> taking Jesus' life from him, right. they'd look at you like you're an idiot. Right. But that was the reality. That was the spiritual, historical reality. Like nobody did anything to him. Like, right, right. The gospel didn't happen to Jesus. Jesus it happened, happened to, to the it. gospel. Right, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Well, and so, but as we look at this again, the, I I fear sometimes, and maybe I think that I, if I'm honest, I may react in ways too where it almost seems like, am I treating the gospel, am I treating the gospel as though it's like this tragic story and I'm trying, I'm having to try to convince people of the, of the, the, the truth of the gospel the, one of the again the beauties about John is we have the prologue mm-hmm. we, we we have the whole thing obviously so mm-hmm. we know but the people who are experiencing as we're reading about these interactions even Christ's own disciples have they don't understand the degree to which this was the eternal yeah. plan of God because even Peter is like well we're never going to let this happen to you this exactly. is how what what are we going to do this fails if you don't live yeah right so like there is no level to which anybody yet understands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what Jesus is meaning when he says, uh, I lay my life yeah. down, first of all, and that nobody has authority to take it from me. Yeah. I am the authority here. Yeah, it's so countercultural um, because, again, it, it just looks like losing. Mm-hmm. Like Everything we have learned, everything we think about how the world works, the winners don't get killed. Right, right. right. The winners kill the other guys. Right, right. <laughs> the, and, and so, and even like it, it taps into some of the uh, marvel of the imagery he uses. Like, and, and I didn't bring this up Sunday, but it came up in our conversation Tuesday before Sunday when we were looking at this text. How, um, you know, for for a, a shepherd to lay his life down to protect the sheep seems like a bad strategy because mm. once the shepherd's dead, who's going to watch over the sheep? Like, yeah, it's right. like. Okay, I get the love thing, yeah, but this seems, this seems like a bad strategy. <laughs> well, the same thing could and was said about a Savior laying his life down right. for his people. Right. Once he's gone, now what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And yet, with the resurrection on the other... Well, one, with the, the purpose of the death, you know, the substitutionary nature of it, and the resurrection on, this, on the other side of it... There's a bigger picture at work, mm-hmm. and that big picture again was is was part of God's eternal plan. Like I think of Acts two, where uh, when Peter Peter find the penny drops for Peter is yeah. uh, certainly not right away because you no. get to the end of John's gospel <laughs> even after the resurrection he goes back to fishing for a while okay, instead right. of carrying out the great commission. Right. It's like well, guess this is over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it takes a few times, but yeah. but after Pentecost, you know, he's preaching the gospel, and this is Acts two. Mm. Uh, verses um, 22 and, yep. and, a, and some change. Right. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, Gospel of John. Uh, as you yourselves know, this Jesus 
delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Hmm. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Mm-hmm. So there's so much in there, right? So there's a there's a, a, a guilt and responsibility in Christ's crucifixion. Mm-hmm. You killed him by the hands of lawless men. But that was the plan. Like he was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Right. He was sent with this mission. And in the other verse that always reminds me of is Romans 5, mm. 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Right. And and we don't think of ourselves as weak in that moment. No. Like he's the one who's been beaten up. Right. He's the one whose hands are bound. Uh, everybody else seems like they're winning. Yeah. But we were actually still weak. Yeah. And Christ died for the ungodly. Right. You know, so, yeah, it's it's just, it's amazing. Well, you know, G- Jordan Peterson, I've said this before, but, like, one of the things that he has said about strength, uh, and me- when he, he's talking about biblical meekness, but uh, he he just has a brilliant way of describing things. He, he talks about meekness is, uh, and the biblical definition of being meek is knowing how to use your sword, but knowing when to keep it sheathed. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, like, the, the strength that Christ displays in his mission is, I have all the authority. Yeah. Right? But he's cool, calm, and collected, and he can stand before Pilate and be like, hey, bro, <laughs> this is mine. Like, you just have it. You think you have mm-hmm. it. You could do only, any of this. You only have it because I'm letting you have it. Yes. Like, you're you're punching me in the face because I'm letting you punch me it, in it's the like face. The, it's like the four-year-old playing the board game against mom and dad. <laughs> Shoots and ladders. You're yeah. Like, oh, shoot. And and you kind of, like, go easy and let them win, and they're, like, fist bumping and, like, right. you know. Right. Yeah, in your yeah. face. And it's like, you can't. Do we tell him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we I'm let not you good in. at that. I'm not a good dad in that. Like when we're playing sorry, I'm going for broke, man. I'm... I yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's we we we're so disillusioned to think we have more control or power than we do. And and yet what's fascinating, Christ does not quote unquote let humanity think it's winning or look like no, it's winning right, right. in order to, you know, out of spite or like setting us up to like take us down like, no. he does it out of love yeah absolutely he does it out of love yeah, and out of up, delivering yeah. the very people who are sending him to the cross yeah that's that's probably the weird the weirdest part about it but yeah. it does all all these things that we're talking about this this speaks to all these things that are intertwined like scripture is so rich and a lot of the stuff that's happening here that Jesus is saying it just flies past us because we don't mm-hmm. stop and think yeah. about it and you know even back to how can we be absolutely sure of uh, the the how, how can we have full confidence in the gospel well it's it's woven into the fact that it is eternal like this is not this was not a reaction to things gone wrong and b- mm. before you say that before you're listening and you're like well i know that already let's be honest in in the way that we react in sharing the gospel and thinking about the gospel and living in in light of the gospel very very much of our lives is almost feeling like uh, this this shaky confidence mm. in it, mm-hmm. like that we're we're we might be a little bit afraid to talk to people about it because, well, like how am I supposed to display it? Like maybe, well, what if they don't believe in it? Like, or what if they're offended by it? Like, and it does sort of show those those cracks and the, or the chinks in the armor yeah. of our confidence in the eternality, not only of the gospel 
but of God himself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that's one of the things, and you mentioned this, so I'm going to read the quote because you mentioned that God did it in love. But one of the things that um, uh, Edward Clink, who's a commentator, he's got a really good commentary on John. Um, and he, uh, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to read the quote here first so that I don't butcher it beforehand. But he says it, it's significant that Jesus claims to have the authority over his own death and resurrection. In general, throughout the New Testament, the resurrection of Jesus is referred to as an act of God the Father, Acts 2.24, Romans 1.4. The tension is only on the surface, for not only does the gospel describe a necessary and beautiful interdependence between the Father and the Son, but even here in this passage in John chapter 10, what Jesus can claim to receive on his own authority is at the same time what he received from his Father. The reason is rooted in the unity of the Father and the Son. That is why the shepherd is the good shepherd, Mm. because he died for his sheep, not out of necessity, Mm. but out of love. So there there are two things that, that... um, as as I'm going through chapter ten and, and thinking about you know this week and what you know the eternal the uh, the eternal nature of the gospel, we forget that the gospel itself is not just an eternal plan, but it is born out of the eternal relationship mm-hmm. in the Trinity within the Trinity, yeah. right? The mm-hmm. the love mm-hmm. of the Father for the Son and the obedience of the Son to the Father mm-hmm. and the power in which that's carried out through that the bond in, in the Spirit. So like. When we think about the gospel, we cannot dissect, we can't pull the gospel as something freestanding away from the nature and the character of God. Those things are all interwoven. And so the gospel is not just a plan. Mm -hmm. The gospel is flowing from the character of God and the eternal purpose of God and the eternal authority of God. Yes, yes, absolutely. So it has... I know we know that the gospel has strength, but I don't feel like we practically apply the level of strength and confidence that we should have in the gospel yeah. with that in mind. That's great. That's great. And, and we're going to see that, that Trinitarian background, if you will, mm. coming out more as we get further in chapter 10, because that's this whole, you know, I and the Father are one. Right. I'm in the Father, and he's in me. Right. Um, and, and it's because of that union with the Father that we're able to have this eternal security. Jesus is able to accomplish the works of the Father. We're able to have a security that lasts in Him. But yeah, that confidence is huge. Like, because you even think about things like evangelism, or you think about just church life. Um, we tend to me- like, how do we measure success in mm-hmm. those contexts? Mm-hmm. Very often, again, who's winning? Yeah, right. <laughs> do I win the people to the Lord? Right. And if right. I win them, then we've won. And if they don't respond in faith, I guess I lost, you know. Right. <laughs> um, or, or even, like, suffering in the church, generally opposition, or just the suffering of sanctification. Like, all of that looks so much and feels so much like losing. Mm. And I love in, in Philippians where Paul takes that and flips it on its head to remind us that actually losing is winning in the mm. economy of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like, this is... Um, yeah, in Philippians one, uh, his his rejoicing and so on. Um, it's my eager expectation, and hope that I'll not at all be ashamed. Now he's writing from prison where right. he looks like he's losing. Right. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, uh, through your prayers and the hope of the Spirit of Jesus, help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Mm. Is it is my eager expectation and hope that I'll not at all be ashamed, <laughs> but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Yep. 
uh, whether by my life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your account. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Mm. And so it's just like whether he wins or whether he loses, in, in, our, mo- in our earthly terms, Christ wins. Mm-hmm. Um, if he gets out of prison and gets to keep preaching the gospel, Jesus wins. Mm-hmm. If he gets killed and goes to be with Jesus, Jesus wins. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and, and with that Great. kind of confidence of it's done, like it yeah. was... It was planned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a definitive plan and foreknowledge flowing mm-hmm. out of the love and relationship and unity of the Trinity, and it's finished. Like, the victory is already secure. Right. What kind of confidence ought we go about <clears throat> pursuing Christ, preaching Christ, yep. serving Christ? Uh, it, it changes things when you stop and think about it from that perspective. Yeah, and the, the whole world, and I think I even saw a clip of... <clears throat> It was a pod. So there's these clips of these podcasters now who are typically people that I would not recommend watching their podcasts or listening to their podcasts. But they're they're kind of secular ish people who like have gone to a church and they've seen like, oh wow, it's so emotional there, and it's mm-hmm. so. But when you hear them talk about if they're talking about Jesus or and you may know people like this, they they will talk about um, Christianity in the context of history. But they're trying to figure out if this little part of human history is actually reliable enough mm. to put your faith in this mm-hmm. man. And I think that maybe that we fall prey to uh, the cart before the horse. Mm. Like we as Christians are trying to find a way to um, relay to the people around us who don't believe the historical accuracy of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? But if we are going to take it at the uh, from the direction that John takes it when he's asking us to believe, or even that Paul mm-hmm. uh, takes it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, w- what happened with the gospel, Jesus is not merely a part of history. The, the gospel, right, the work of God, mm-hmm. and, and specifically the finished work of Christ, is, his, is the history yeah. of everything. Yes. Like, because it, it was purpose that Christ would be the center of the universe, right, high over everything else, that yeah. he, the name above all names. This was not an afterthought. This was not a plan B. So even in the way that that we as Christians tend to look at the, back to how we look at the gospel, if we view the gospel as just a an act that, that even though it comes from the character of God, if we just view it as this part in history that we look back to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have confidence in, I still don't think that gives us a, a, a great confidence. Mm-hmm. But if we look at all of history yeah. as being subservient to the gospel, yes. that's, a, that's a much bigger view. Yeah, and, and what happens is, because obviously the historical question is important, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, and that, that's the way the Lord has convinced some. It's like, oh, this is the only way to explain human... Right. But once that light clicks, all mm-hmm. of a sudden... Now I'm not just explaining, like you said, this narrow slice of of you know historical right. activity, but all of life, all of creation, every all of science and philosophy. It becomes the new center point that explains all of that. And I mm. forget there was a wonderful analogy in um, N.T. Wright's "Surprised by Hope," where he's mm-hmm. talking about the resurrection and mm-hmm. and how it just changes everything mm-hmm. in our perspective. And it was something along the lines of. Uh, 
you know, this tr- you, discovering this treasure or or uh, this uh, painting being donated to like a college, mm. and it's so incredible, but it doesn't fit. <laughs> it doesn't fit in the door. It doesn't fit in, and so what do you do with something that precious and valuable? You tear down the building and you rebuild Build it around, around it. it. Yeah, right. And and right. that's what the resurrection does to all of us. Yeah, it completely you know, reorients uh, our, our perspective. We tear mm-hmm. everything down and rebuild it around this new historical reality mm-hmm. that is the true history, mm-hmm. the true centerpiece. And um, all of a sudden now you have lenses to make sense of so much. Like, you know, you mentioned like the, the historian perspective trying to kind of analyze yeah, the different right. Christian movements. There's a fascinating interview with a journalist and church historian named Molly Worthen. Hmm. Uh, it's on Colin Hansen's uh, Gospel Bound podcast just last week. And I had I had followed some of her journalism over the years. Uh, not exactly friendly to evangelicals. <laughs> you know, there she was relatively fair in, in parts, right. but there's definitely was felt like there was an agenda behind some of her reporting and whatnot, right. and and she was very much a, you know, in fact she's a, a his, church history professor at UNC. Hmm. Um, she was attempting, she was writing a piece on J.D. Greer okay. at, at Summit Church, yeah. and was interviewing him for this, and I think she made some offhand comment at the end of the interview. I wish I could believe that. Or something, yeah. and JD's like, "Well, let's talk about that." <laughs> and it started this like months long friendship and conversation, mm-hmm. where her entire world was, and she just she did the interview because she wants to tell her story mm-hmm. of conversion, right? Like the wow, you know, she she wrote a kind of a one could call it. Uh, a famous hit piece on Al Mohler back in mm. Christ- about ten years ago in Christianity Today, okay. and and really was kind of a takedown of Calvinism and mm-hmm. the New Calvinism. And right. She now identifies as a Calvinist. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like this whole. We know that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just fascinating, and it's not because somebody broke out the institute. Right, it's because right. she met Jesus, right, and she saw the centerpiece, the centrality of the resurrection, yep. as the center of history. Right. And everything else had to be reinterpreted around it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all of these things. You know, it's fascinating. It's a long interview, yeah. but it's a fascinating one. But it did, I mean, but even what you pointed to there, even getting into the, the talk about like the institutes and stuff, it <clears throat> we now have more resources than ever theologically. So as we as even as we study the book of John, there are so many commentaries, mm. deep, oh, deep man. commentaries, like you know, the anchor commentary, yeah, like yeah. just there's almost too much information to actually be able to convey, which is why we have to do extra podcasts so, because we can't <laughs> preach for three hours, right? Yes. Um, but one of the things is um, it is it is not okay in, at this point in time to not uh, really apply the deep theology that we see in mm. Scripture to our the way that we engage with the gospel. Yeah. And that's I, th- I think what this is born from is we... I, I th- this is my heart as I come to this passage and I see Jesus talking about his authority. If if we're going to if we're going to be hundred percent honest, most of life now is the the real to us is the temporal, this mm-hmm. temporal. Mm-hmm. So much so that it's even hard for us to understand the eternal authority of Jesus and the eternal repercussions that are happening in in now. Mm. 
of the resurrection. Yes. And so in many cases, we view it as something that was historical, but we don't view it as something that is eternally, constantly yes. weighing yeah. on all of history, that even every, you know, as Kuiper said, there's not one square inch of everything in which, you know, Jesus is like, this belongs to me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it all belongs to him. And so, like, having, digging into that, the background of Jesus' authority, that we're not just, when we're reading the Bible, studying the mm-hmm. Bible, we're not just running through Jesus being like, hey, the Father's love for me and my mm-hmm. obedience, and mm-hmm. by the way, I have all the authority, so nobody takes my life from me. We just kind of skip through that and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in all of these passages, do we sit mm. and, and think and dig and ask really good questions like, well, wait a minute, what is Jesus... What does Jesus mean by that? Like nobody takes my life from me. You know, I lay it down. Like what is he? What is he talking about? And what implications does that have yeah. for us? Like what kind of confidence does that instill in me that that Jesus, who I mean, it's the most unfair thing that's ever happened to anyone. Mm. It's mm-hmm. someone who's sinless being convicted and killed for literally nothing, mm-hmm. nothing wrong. Yeah. So yeah. it is. It is tragic in in the sense that like that is. The only this is the greatest evil. What is it is carried out evil. in human history? Yeah, it's the only completely the undeserved death. Good in all of history, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's but time, that's the why. basis. That is the basis not only for our life. Mm-hmm. That is the basis for our freedom. Yeah, and, totally, and our eternal life. And it, it it reminds me of you know something I think we <clears throat> often talk about um, the the power of the gospel is not just for conversion. Mm. It's not just for Oh, this is true of Jesus. I need to trust him. Right. And and he, like you said, all just kind of past tense, yep. past tense for yep. him, past tense for me. Yep. The power of the gospel is for daily life and yep. and the future. Like cuz our resurrection's coming. Right. Like we're not done being changed. Um but in that in that in between time, uh the richness and and that's one of the things I found fascinating about John 10 is as he's talking about how he is the good shepherd and defining, you know, what it means to be the good shepherd, it comes to a climax in the verses you read. What what does Jesus's shepherd care for his flock look like? Mm-hmm. How is it ultimately expressed? By laying down his life, which mm-hmm. he says five times in the passage, and by taking it up again, which mm-hmm. I think he says two or three. Yep. So the way that Jesus shepherds his flock, not just saves them initially, but shepherds them and leads them and feeds them and, and, and mm. guards them is through the cross and the resurrection. Yeah, right. It's ongoing application to the everyday life of the Christian. Yep. Uh, it's how you know we feed on the gospel daily. We, we, we are protected by it. We are guided. How do we make decisions um, and, and you know look at the... Again, with Philippians, it, it provided the lens and perspective for Paul to understand his current situation. Like most people would conclude, crap, I got arrested. Now I can't preach the gospel anymore. Right. I've been sidelined. It's an injustice. <laughs> let's rally everybody around. And he's like, all right, captive audience, let's yeah. get to work. You know? Yeah. And and it just it changes so much. It is mm. comprehensively applicable to life. Yeah. And, and, uh, we, yeah, we don't stop to think about that often enough. Yeah. And it doesn't, and you know, I was, I've been convicted lately of my own degree of confidence in the gospel. Like how secure am I in uh, the eternal nature of the gospel? But also in chapter 10, um, one of the things is we talk about the, the, the gospel kind of flowing from the, the relationship mm-hmm. between 
you know, in, in, the, in the Trinity, mm-hmm. between Father, mm-hmm. Father and Son. It is astounding to me that Jesus equates his knowledge of his people and his people's knowledge of him directly with his relationship with the Father. Mm. So there's an added degree of confidence in which, mm. like, so Jesus is the only way, right? He is the way. So, like, there is nothing, it's not like we benefit from Jesus' work, because there are even some, I, I, there's, you know, some people would be like, well, Jesus died for everybody, so regardless of how you feel about Jesus, it's like, Jesus is like, no, I'm I'm it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But life and relationship in Jesus is you're drawn into that relationship yeah. with that, that Jesus has that closeness that he has with the Father. He says, well, the same way that I know the Father and the Father knows me, I know my own and my own it know me. It is fascinating. It is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. But it's meant to instill confidence. Mm. It's meant to instill the confidence not only in you know, in Jesus' authority, but in Jesus' authority over us, which we are going to get into next week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that's when mm-hmm. we'll talk about, we'll, next week we'll talk about eternal yeah. security and how this has an impact yes. on um, our everyday life and our everyday confidence, you know, in in the things that we face. Yes. But yep. as for this piece, what I kind of wanted to, you know, c- close up with was an, a plea to Christians who are listening that, um, we have great confidence in the the gospel, not just as a concept, but as a reality, as mm-hmm. a historical reality, and the basis for everything, mm-hmm. and the basis for all of life, the basis for um, all of the work that that has been accomplished on our behalf. And because of the confidence that we have, we can be very bold. Mm-hmm. Not, we can be bold to believe, but also bold to to make the same definitive statements that Christ does. Hey, mm-hmm. there's only Jesus. Like yeah. G- Jesus is it. Like I appreciate where you're coming from, but I'm telling you, this is all of history comes down to this. Yeah. What are you going to do with Jesus? Yeah, he's yeah. the door. He's the shepherd. So how you know how will you respond? And to be able to live with that type of confidence, mm-hmm. but it's hard, right? Absolutely, uh, wouldn't require confidence if it was easy, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? there you it go. is. It is hard, and because it, it's a constant. It's a constant recalibration of our hearts, of our mm. minds, of our intentions toward Christ and the things of Christ versus the fears of this world, mm-hmm. the, the, th- the desires of this world, all of those kinds of things. And yet, uh, it, it, it's kind of, it's, it's that realizing, it, you've, you've been living in the world as if one thing was real, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, not to... This this analogy can break down it's so okay. fast and so easy. It's okay. But it's 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 uh, I was gonna say like the Matrix, waking oh. up and realizing you know <laughs> that actually the real world is quite different, right, or right. or the scales falling from Paul's eyes. Sure, yeah. Like you just all of a sudden you see uh, reality with a with a greater clarity. You, yeah. You, or or John nine. Once I was blind, but now, now I, I see. see. Which is yeah, that's um, where we're coming from. And yeah. and so. And and that sight is Jesus. Right. His life, his death, his resurrection, and to live in the light of truth and reality yeah. versus the darkness of sin and deception. Yeah. Um, and that's the exclamation point on the end of that passage. They're like, like the people who who just have no category for it are like, he's got a demon. <laughs> and then other people are like, bro, like he made that dude see. Like how in the world? Like that's not that's not possible. So clearly, I mean, even with Jesus' statements, they're. As we encounter people, these are the same responses that we're going to get. We're going to get some people who are willing, open, you know, because yep. of the work of the Spirit. They're going to be open to be like, hey, 
okay, the, I don't know what he is, but he can't be a demon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can't be. A, he can't have a demon. Which is a starting place. Yeah, and some, well, he's not demonic. Right. <laughs> it's, it's better than being like, no, this guy's got a demon. Let's just kill him. <laughs> um, but I mean, all of this to again to instill the confidence in the eternality of the gospel in uh, Christ's authority, and when we consider that Christ. Uh, promises, and he refers to this later even in his high priestly prayer and talking about the Holy Spirit, that authority that he has, he uses for his for his people, for his sheep. Yeah. So uh, I think this should, all of these things should point us to um, a, a very, very high confidence that, uh, that this is not just a blip in history. Mm. This is not just something that sort of changes our life. This really does change everything. Yeah. And if this is true, if it's truly eternal, if Christ really has that type of authority, then we would do well to encounter every day with a strong confidence that there is nothing happening to me right now mm. that Christ is not exerting his authority over. Mm-hmm. Right? All yeah. If all of history falls under Christ's authority, then every part of my life does as well. Yes. Um, yeah. And man, I don't I don't know if there's, there can't be a better confidence in that. No. Right? Yeah. Amen. Cool. Well, we'll get into next week again. So we'll probably have to spend a little bit more time next week uh, as we dig into eternal security, because that's a little bit more, um, there's a little bit more minds in that minefield, I think, sometimes. There are a few. Uh, Though I love how, how simple and clear Jesus is about oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Nobody can snatch me, snatch him from my hand. So, yeah, we'll get into that next week. So maybe even if you if you know somebody who's uh, kind of struggling with assurance or security, uh, next week would be a good one, so keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, but uh, as always, like we encourage you to share a podcast with other people who may have questions. If you have any questions, please, um, you can email me, keithk at stonebridge.church. I'd be happy to uh, take any of your questions and, and have some discussions. Um Remember, be in your word, dig through the word, and uh, if you're here in Cedar Rapids and you don't have a church home, we'd love to see you here. We meet at uh, 8.30 and 11 o'clock on Sundays, um, and you can always uh, just drop by during the week. Usually the office is open about 9 to 4, Monday through Friday, so uh, we would love to to engage you, encounter, encounter you with that. Um, and uh, thanks for joining us this morning, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.